It's Zoe Time. Welcome to the Zoe Time Show presented by HoopsAndBrews.com. I will be your host for the day, Daniel Belts, and Laker fans out there, and if you're a non-Laker fan listening to this, it's been a very tiring season, and we're only 56 games in. Um, I can't believe, what, six, seven months ago, we were so excited that LeBron James joined this team. We were excited to see what Lonzo Ingram Kuzma could do in year two slash year three. We were excited to see what Josh Hart could do. We were excited to see what this bench unit can do. And then, as we all know, the injuries hit, and the injuries hit hard. LeBron missed 17, 18 games. Lonzo's going on his 10th, 11th missed game. Um, Ingram was suspended and hurt. Rondo has been hurt. Uh, Josh Hart is now hurt. Kuzma missed a couple games. JaVale missed like 10 due to pneumonia. Uh, Tyson wasn't here with us the entire season. It's just been draining. Um, I don't remember a Lakers season being this draining since 2012-13 when that was the Kobe Dwight year and that was the last year we made the playoffs. So maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel, but it's been... It's been tiring, especially like last week due to all the trade rumors, trade demands, um, actual trades that the Lakers made. It was, it was exhausting. Like that entire week felt like a month. And thankfully, All Star break is right around the corner. Uh, this is early Tuesday morning, so you guys will be hearing this either after the Hawks game or maybe just a little bit before. We do play the Hawks today. Uh, hopefully, we win to get to 29 and 28, and I think we'll be like a game back of, or like a game and a half back of eighth place. But I did not expect us to be 28 and 28 right now. But injuries do happen, and it is what it is. Hopefully, we are good enough, have enough talent, and hopefully, the basketball gods kind of help us, like with. The injury bug, injury bug. Like, hopefully, we do not hit that anymore. It's been a grueling season, and hey, basketball gods, maybe I'm not saying season-ending injury, but maybe like affect other teams for like one to three games. Like, have De'Aaron Fox sit for like three, four games, or like Buddy Hield, which I believe either they've played in every single game but one or two. Like, that's crazy how. Some of the Lakers' most important players will miss 10 to 15-plus games, but you see all these other teams in contention kind of have perfect health, except for, like, the Rockets, who dealt with Chris Paul, but they still had their MVP-caliber player there the entire season. Uh, Meanwhile, LeBron, who's probably, like, top five still in the league this year, although for MVP races, it's tough because PG, Giannis... Harden, Steph, Durant have had fantastic years, so it'll be interesting to see where LeBron falls in that. But like we didn't have our best player for a extended period of time. Meanwhile, all these other teams get to have pretty close to perfect health. So the fact that we're still in this, the fact that we have a shot, kind of shows resilience. I'm not going to hate on our team. Um, a lot of I won't say LeBron stands are terrible. I've there's plenty of good LeBron stands out there that actually like understand 
LeBron wasn't the only one hurt when he was out. Um, but there was one in particular. I don't remember what her name was that I was like debating with, but um, I brought up the team's record without Lonzo and how it compared to what it was without LeBron. And I'm not saying talent-wise or anything close or whatever. But I'm saying like this team can't afford injuries. So when one of their main players gets hurt, we're going to like be trash. But for whatever reason, she holds the young Laker players more accountable than she does like when LeBron plays. I'm like, well, why didn't we win with a full team versus Orlando? Like there were things we could have done then instead of just blaming it on losing to Cleveland or the Knicks. Like, yes, those are terrible losses, but this team without LeBron did beat the Thunder. And if Lonzo didn't get hurt in the second half versus the Rockets, we would have beat them to kind of like make up for those two hideous losses where the records would have been the same going into it, thinking, hey, we're not going to beat the Thunder, we're not going to beat the Rockets, but we're going to beat the Knicks and Cavs. So it's like, you subtract two, then you add two. It just the washes out. But for whatever reason, this person just didn't want to see logic, and I can't make you see things you don't want to see. Like, it's okay to just say, hey, I don't like the guy. I don't see his value, and that's the end of that. But to come up with bullshit sayings, like, I don't know. It's just weird. Some people are weird, man. And what's even weirder record-wise, the Lakers are the fourth best team in California. I don't know if, like, the basketball gods just want to be cruel to us this year, but the Warriors, Kings, and Clippers all have better records than we do right now. Like, this is torture. But the weird thing is, everyone is either 500 or above, so it's strange. Um... I don't know if that has ever happened with these four teams 56 games into the season where everyone was 500 or above. And I'm going to say the Lakers are going to be 29 and 28, so all four teams will be above 500 by the end of the day. And if we lose to the Hawks, blow up, just tank. If we lose to this Hawks team, just tank. Um, the Hawks will be without their backup point guard, Jeremy Lin, so they should be shorthanded. So if we lose to this team, just start tanking. Um... But yes, so factor in trades, trade rumors, injuries, being the fourth best team in California, I am drained. Um, it's just, I don't know, this season feels like one thing happens and another thing happens and another thing happens and another thing. It's just, it's exhausting. And hopefully we get the train moving, but like, we look back at just last week, um, Zubak was playing some of his best basketball. Zvi in limited minutes showed like he's capable of playing NBA minutes. And then we trade Zvi, we trade Zubak for Reggie and Muscala. And like, I don't get why we traded Zubak like at all. And I don't think I will. Zvi, I get it. He wasn't shooting well from three. So we went and got Reggie Bullock, but the Muscala trade is just strange, given that we have Mo Wagner on the bench, who can space the floor, plays with energy, at least tries on defense. Funny thing is Mike Muscala actually got hurt in, not funny, but like kind of like a comedic relief because the Lakers have dealt with injuries all year. So, hey, new guy, guess what? You're going to get hurt in your first game with the Lakers. It's kind of strange how that happened. I believe he sprained his ankle 
and he's questionable for tonight, but Zubak had been showing a lot of good signs of being able to finish around the rim, playing hard on defense, kind of anchoring our defense due to the fact that JaVale has kind of been, um, who was calling him a space cadet, where he's just not there, like mentally. The athletic gifts, the skill set is there, but whether it's due to scheming with drop coverage or just him not being able to move fast enough horizontally, he was getting attacked. Go rewatch the Philadelphia 76er game. I feel like JaVale was attacked for like 10 straight possessions where I think they scored 8 out of 10 of them. So, I don't know. The Zubak thing is strange and like we didn't even get anything remotely like valuable back so you never know like I get it we might not sign Zubak in the offseason but we got to trade him now when we're trying to make the playoffs like I I don't know um then we get to the AD thing which I'll talk later um all the rumors of the young kids seeing their names in papers the Ben Simmons and Magic Johnson thing which Probably is a lot to do about nothing. Um, ben Simmons sees himself as a Magic Johnson type, wants to get some words of advice from him. His team asks uh, to work with Magic Johnson. We go back, say, can he, I guess, to Philly? Then Elton Brand says no. So that has probably a much to do about nothing sort of thing. And. I feel like I aged a bit this week. There was also the blowout losses to the Indiana Pacers and the Philadelphia 76ers, which we I believe we gave up 136 points and also 143. That is an insane amount of points to give up in regulation time. Like, those games did not go overtime. We couldn't defend to save our life. And I know why, but I just kind of want you guys to realize why we've been so trash defensively, and I'll go over this a lot later. Um, but it is what it is, and I'll say this about Brandon Ingram and Kyle Kuzman. I will talk about them later as well. They have handled this entire situation like pros. Um, you can say what you want about their trade value. You can say that, I guess, you would rather prefer Tatum or Brown, although I don't see it. But the way Ingram and Kuzma have carried themselves, have continued to produce, it seems like Kuzma finally got healthy, so he's back to lighting up the scoreboard. Um, I don't think they deserve the scrutiny, but here we are. And they're playing very, very, very well. So you never know. Um, I I can't. <laughs> Hello, nephew. Um, my nephew just walked in. You want to say hi? Hey. Oh, you got candy from Valentine's Day. It was at preschool. Is it preschool? Okay, um, I just got to finish this, and then we can, okay? Come here. It's all right. So, for those saying that their value in trades is worse than what Boston is, I, invi I advise you to consider the system, the coach, the amount of pressure that the Lakers players get for playing in L.A. and looking at what D'Angelo Russell did and Julius Randle did elsewhere. Just kind of realize the value of... Um, what they're doing now and what other players have done after they leave Los Angeles. Also notice how 
Laker players are talked about once they do actually get rid of the Lakers jersey. Um, you'll see a lot of people have certain opinions about Lakers players when they're in LA and kind of lowball their ceiling, lowball their floor. But once they leave Los Angeles, then it's everyone falls in love with how could LA get rid of them. Um, it's strange because it keeps happening. Um, there wasn't a lot of Jordan Clarkson love when he was in LA. Once he went to Cleveland, there were a lot of reports, a lot of things written that, hey, um, Jordan Clarkson might be the reason that LeBron stays in Los Angeles. And that was kind of funny, um, but it is what it is. And then you saw the same thing with Larry Nance, who... Um, Larry Nance is a really good um, like rotational player. He will be a really good rotational player for a long time because he does the fundamentals, has the skill set, and is a great team player. But once he left... You saw them love him even more. You saw the same thing with D'Angelo Russell once he was allowed to develop under a coaching staff, a system that wants to develop young talent instead of getting star players to produce now. Um, you saw Julius Randle sort of get a bigger role in New Orleans. Or actually, I wouldn't say a bigger role, just a more confined role, an actual like minutes like thing. Like he's starting more he's finishing more in new orleans and while the production is somewhat similar to his starting stats in los angeles the appreciation is a lot more um the love for his game is more and it's just once you leave la people love you and you can say oh it's lakers no it's not lakers conspiracy look at how each and every check mark NBA media talk about person or whatever talks about these young assets these young players look at it two to three years ago look at it now um, and you'll see a huge difference and the only one common denominator is they left Los Angeles so then we get to the value of these Lakers assets um, when they were in Los Angeles all those assets were previously talked upon being very low assets as well. But since they've left, they've done what? They've done they've developed, they've played better. Um so that's why I kind of foreshadow if they are moved eventually. If Ingram, Lonzo, Hart or Kuzma leave Los Angeles, be prepared to see them become media darlings once they leave LA. Um is that is that wrong for people to do? Um, yeah, but you can't stop them from thinking whatever they're going to think just because you wear a Lakers jersey. It's hinted through a lot of jealousy through the Lakers, for the most part, always being good. Um, you can't stop hate. You can only prevent fa or present facts, present examples, present what has happened before as just evidence as, hey, this is what will or what will happen. And also, the players I mentioned before are in their fourth, fifth, sixth NBA season. It's almost like young players develop. Who would have ever fucking thought that, right? But again, common sense doesn't happen when 
analysts, checkmark people, HP want to talk about Lakers players, it's, no, we have to judge them for what they are now. What they are now is what they will always be. But once they leave LA, let's talk about their future. Let's talk about their potential. It's weird. It is just so damn weird. And so you look at Boston's assets, right? People look at Boston's asset as what they're looking at long-term instead of what they are now, which as of right now, stat-wise, efficiency-wise, every single young player the Lakers have is playing better than their counterpart. Um, Kuzma has better stats than Tatum. Ingram has better stats than Brown. Lonzo has better stats than Rozier slash Smart, although Smart has played fantastic this season. This is one of my favorite... Marcus Smart season because he's actually shooting the three well, playing great defense. But again, Lonzo's playing better than he and Rozier. But for whatever reason, it's let's judge the Lakers for what they are now instead of what they will be in the future. But it's hey, the Celtics assets are sent down from Jesus Christ himself and they should be looked at for what they're going to be in the future. I don't get it. I've tried to look at it from different angles from different mindsets. I've talked to different NBA fans about what they see in these players, and the resounding thing is, yes, Tatum is the best asset. We can admit that. But the gap between he and Ingram is not that far. Then after those two, you're probably taking Lonzo and Kuzma after everyone else. But again, since Tatum had a playoff run that was similar to Contavious Caldwell Pope's in Detroit. Look at the stats, look at the percentages. I'm not making this up. It's similar. But since it's Jason Tatum and Boston media darlings, Woj's got their... Yeah, but... It's just strange, but again, we can't control that. All you can control is presenting facts, presenting examples and just trying to have people look at these things in good faith which brings me to my next topic when that was the whole ad trade fiasco and before we start this um topic make sure you guys go ahead and follow zotime podcast on twitter soundcloud um actually that's under hoops and brews on soundcloud and apple podcast uh, make sure you check out hoops and brews latest uh, episode as well it's about <laughs> I think it's their best one personally. Um, TPJ is, I think that was TPJ's best episode. He was hilarious and also presented um, pretty good like stats, pretty good arguments for what his beliefs are, and I think it was his best. And it's about LeBron being Carl Malone in Los Angeles. Um, and yeah, personally, I think it's. Both Pavi and TPJ's best episode. They feed off of each other very well. Um, and I don't really listen to NBA The Jump, um, Undisputed, and First Take. I very rarely ever check into those on TV. If I see a clip on Twitter, I'll comment it, but I pretty much just listen to Hoops and Brews. Sometimes I'll check out the Zach Lowe podcast, but. If you haven't already, make sure you check out Hoops and Bruises podcast. I, in my opinion, it's the best, if not the best, out there. Um, I think it's done better than The Ringer. These two guys actually present um, jokes with stats and also not afraid to admit when they're wrong. 
but will also remind you of when they've been right. Um, people on TV will only remind you when they're right. They will never talk about when they are wrong. And that's one of my biggest things with all these um, media people. It's like, you go on TV, you go on a podcast, and you spew things, you talk about things, you only present one-sided arguments. Yet, when you've been proven wrong, we don't hear from you. Um, it's, oh, this happened and it wasn't my fault for seeing this. It's a variable that we couldn't see coming or whatever. It's some bullshit excuse. You guys never own up to your takes. Uh, both Pavi and TPJ own up to their takes. I do as well. I've been wrong. And I will be continue to be wrong about certain things and also be continue to be right about certain things. Um, if you're in the basketball business to watch NBA basketball and enjoy basketball and you actually talk about basketball, you're going to be wrong. And it's okay to admit that. No one bats a thousand in anything. Um, unless you're Michael Jordan in the finals. Um, but... Like, it's okay to be wrong, so just admit when you're wrong, and we could go about this thing in an entirely different way. We could be respectful towards each other once we just admit when we're wrong about certain takes. But again, getting that to happen from everyone besides the people at Hoops and Brews is tough, because then people just double down on their takes and whatnot. But uh, Pavi mentioned to TVJ that I was stressed out about all of this trade fiasco last week, and I was. Um, I don't really, like ever day drink or like how would you say it I don't normally day drink and I also normally don't drink by myself at home um, unless people are over unless I'm going out unless it's brunch on Sundays but Wednesday night Thursday morning I was drinking um, I was stressed the hell out I didn't know if half the team was leaving to New Orleans I didn't know if we were actually getting Anthony Davis I didn't know what the hell was going on and it was a stressful time. Um, I am glad that it's over. Um, I'm glad the kids are still here. I'm glad they're going to have a playoff run this season, hopefully, if we make the playoffs. But, yeah, like, last week was terrible. Um, it was the... Clutch sports leaks, it was the Pelicans leaks, it was the Lakers leaks. There were so many different sides leaking stuff to Woj, to Shams, to Chris Haynes, to Tanya, to Brad. It was it was a lot to kind of take in. If you watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which is probably my favorite TV show. If you've seen Charlie in the mailroom talking to uh, Mac about the mail and... About Pepe Silvia, I believe the name is. Um, and he has who in the hell is Pepe. And he has all the stuff on the board with all these like different angles. And he looks stressed the hell out. That was me wondering, is this going to happen? Is this not? And I don't know. Like, it was stressful. And like, I get it. The Pelicans did this to make LA look foolish. Um, Cool. Congrats. I mean, the only thing that should be looked at as foolish is not making the conference finals with Chris Paul or Anthony Davis. And I think that's what we should look at as foolish, but it is what it is. Congrats. The biggest thing you guys are known for is getting rid of two top probable NBA players of all time with Chris Paul and Anthony Davis, never reaching a final four with them. 
and your crown to glory is dragging out a trade process that you were never going to trade with in good faith. Cool. Um, celebrate it during Mardi Gras. Hey, we dragged the Lakers in trade talks. Cool. That's your crowning achievement in New Orleans. Um, cool, cool, cool. I'm glad the um, ref didn't call pass interference. Um, I'm glad Drew Brees will likely only retire with one ring. I'm glad you guys have never made it to a conference finals. I'm glad the Lakers beat the, I believe it was the Hornets and Chris Paul in 2011 in the first round. Um, I'm glad DeMarcus Cousins didn't sign with you guys. I'm glad you guys lost Buddy Hield and a pick for a guy that walked. Um, that's awesome of you, especially since Buddy Hield's playing very, very good. Um, but again enough about New Orleans because again the only thing they're going to be known for is not making a conference finals with two top 50 players of all time and a trade fiasco cool that's your guys' claim to fame you guys are the Clippers Clippers never made a conference finals either and I believe the Charlotte Hornets haven't either so it goes Hornets Pelicans Clippers as the three teams not make a conference finals so great pairing of franchises Although I believe the Clippers will get out of that very soon. Um, probably next year or the year after. But enough about other people's misery. Let's talk about our own. Um, Kuzma, Alonzo, Ingram, and Hart all saw their names in trade rumors. And they all saw that report from Brad that the Lakers like offered all of them. Like It wasn't speculation. It was, hey, we will give you Kuzo, Ingram, Hart, picks, and whatever the hell you want. It was... The front office, Magic Palinka saying, hey, you guys are gone if they accept this. And, like, I get their pros. I get they're supposed to handle themselves in a certain way. They make X amount of million dollars playing a game of basketball. But still, this is, in my opinion, more than just a front office trying to trade you. This is the person that plays um, basketball with you. This is, it feels like it came from LeBron in his camp. So, like, I... I get where you're supposed to be pro if it's the front office, but when it's your teammate, like that probably stings a little. Like we saw this with Bynum and Kobe when Kobe wanted to ship um, Bynum out for what I believe was Jason Kidd or Kevin Garnett. I totally blank out. I think it was Jason Kidd, but I do not re like. I think that's actually what happened, but. When you feel like it's your teammate orchestrating this, which may or may not even be remotely true, who knows if LeBron said, hey, go get me AD. Um, so I don't want to, like, put LeBron down because, hell, everyone wants to play with Anthony Davis, so I get it. But when it feels like it's from your teammate's camp, it probably hurts a lot more than just the front office. And, like, I hope the meeting that Magic had with these players individually works. Um, we'll see if it actually does. And I hope the young core uses this as fuel, like, hey, I'm going to make you guys regret the day you try to trade me. But I hope it doesn't bite the Lakers in the ass come... Um, negotiation day for contracts because they're like, hey, you guys didn't want me then? Like, I don't want you now. Like, there's a way this bites the Lakers in the ass. And, yeah. I hope they use it in the correct way as fuel, but I can't blame them if they're bitter towards the Lakers for this because they've seen Clarkson, Nance, Randall, and D'Lo all either get traded or let go in the summer. Like, they've seen promising young players leave and not be valued by Los Angeles, so 
you never know. Um, I hope they make them not want to trade us or trade them. I hope they ball out for the final 26 games and have a great postseason. Get that knee healthy heart. Hopefully Lonzo returns from his ankle injury at some point. And the shitty thing about this whole AD fiasco is we're probably going to talk about this once June 20-whatever hits. Like, this will be talked about very soon. Um, four or five months from now. And it sucks. Um, the Pelicans were asking and for what, in my opinion, is too much to get all of our promising players, young players, picks, and cap relief. That is a ton. I don't think New Orleans gets a better offer than that. And I do think Demps, I do think the Bensons, I do think... The Pelicans will be looked at funny for not accepting that deal later in life. Um, that's just my opinion. I could be very wrong. These players could never turn out to be what I think they're going to be, and then the Pelicans look smart for not taking them on. That can act. That can absolutely happen. But in my opinion, they're going to regret that they never made this trade because you're getting four players on team-friendly contracts for the next at least two years who can all produce. You're also getting picks. And you would also get cap relief where you can surround them with something. Or you would have the correct money to re-sign Julius Randle. But instead, you guys were dicks, operating in not good faith, holding out for Tatum, which Kyrie can make this whole situation look very funny for New Orleans. Um, and like I, I get wanting Anthony Davis. I get offering the entire team. He is a 25-year-old All-NBA MVP caliber player when he plays with passion um i do think he's kind of just like half-assing it and he's still putting up insane numbers so like i get what he's worth like i get it it's so, like i get why they offered him i get why it didn't happen but i do think the pelicans will regret this for many years to come but we are rolling with the players that we have and i'm very happy that lonzo ingram kuzma and hart didn't find new homes um also selfishly happy because I don't have to change the name of this podcast to something else right now. It is still a Zotime podcast for at least the next four to five months. We will see what happens. And that'll bring us up to the next subject, which is Lonzo Ball. And look, I get the hate that he gets. I get that you don't like his father publicly speaking um, everywhere. Like, is it trash that... You guys judge a player for what his father says? Yes. Um, should you guys have an opinion on what a father says about certain things? I mean, I guess it looks foolish when you um, judge a player based off what his dad says. Because if you've talked to, um, I believe last year it was Julius Randle when he was asked point blank, does it affect you? And he says no, because Lonzo carries himself in a certain way with the team. Um and Lonzo blocks all of what his dad says out. So if Lonzo's doing it, why can't everyone else with a common sense do it? But it is what it is. People have to hate him hate him for whatever reason. And if you took me back to the summer of 2017 and said Lonzo Ball would be the biggest or the factor or if not the biggest factor on the Lakers being a good defensive team, I would have said he probably hurts us in that area. Instead, he is our anchor for our defense, which is wild. Given everything I saw at UCLA, I thought he was going to be this 
high offensive minded player which he absolutely can be look at the games without lebron but we don't put him in the correct situations due to coaching system that's a subject for a different day but we're going to talk about lonzo ball and his defense um if you would have told me lonzo ball would be our defensive acre i would have thought you were smoking the best of weed i would have laughed in your face and said cool did he have good defensive like instincts qualities at ucla ucla yes but did I think he would be the thing holding together a top 10 defense when healthy compared to the 28th worst defense in the league without him? I There's no way I would have seen us moving that drastically, which is crazy. We are god-awful without him on the defensive side. And yes, Hart is hurt as well, who's not the greatest perimeter defender, but he can play post-defense, so... Yes, we're also missing Hart, but Lonzo holds this team together defensively. And I would have never pictured that two, three years ago. Um, and when you look at Lonzo Ball, you have to remember he's in year two. He hasn't had a healthy offseason. He's kind of going through similar ankle-knee issues that like Curry did in his beginning years. Um there might need to be like changes made in low tops to high tops, um, taping, braces. There might need to be things adjusted during the offseason on how he carries himself, more leg workouts, certain routines to strengthen other muscles to kind of like hopefully prevent these injuries from happen happening. Although this latest injury just looks like a freak accident. And But enough about that. We have to remind ourselves he's in year two. He hasn't had a healthy offseason, and he's able to impact the game in so many more ways than people want to admit. It's easy enough to say that, hey, he's not efficient scoring. Um, if you've watched the Lakers this past two weeks, our issue isn't scoring. Or if you just watch us since Londo's been out, our issue isn't scoring. We have enough people that can put the ball in the basket. We have Kuzma, Ingram, LeBron. KCP can actually get buckets off the bench. JaVale can put up 20 and 10. In the, I believe that's what he's done the past two games. Although it's skewed because he's playing awful defense. But the Lakers have enough talent to put the ball in the basket. We got shooters like Reggie Bullock and Muscala who, I guess. But the Lakers do not need... What would you call it? They don't need a 30 point per game score from the point guard position because we have Kuzma, Ingram, LeBron who can all get 20 plus points on a given night so the thing is is judging Lonzo offensively is just trash look at what he does for our team um, look at Boston look at Philadelphia, look at those games we gave up 136 and 143 points in regulation I also believe Wait, no, that was the Pacers, which we gave up 136. I also believe we gave, well, gave up, what, 120 against Boston? So these are insane amount of points per game that we're allowing. And I get we're in a offensive era, but everyone on Twitter preaches they wish more defense was played. Yet, when the Lakers have a really good defender, you hate on him for not being able to be a 50-40-90 type player right now. Or a 40-40-70 player right now. 
totally just not even giving him credit on defense. So I just find it strange that you preach you want defense, yet when a defensive player shows his face, ah, uh, no, nah, he can't hit free throws. Ah, uh, no, nah, he can't do shit on offense. So it's just strange. And in the 9-10 games, if you count Houston's second half, Lonzo has been out. We have been disgusting on defense. Like, if you look at that Houston game after he got hurt, we give up 92 points in the second half slash overtime. So that is 24, That's 29 minutes of play. We give up 92 points. That is disgusting. That is... That is terrible. Like, I can't believe how pathetic we are on that end defensively without Lonzo. And, I mean, yes, Rondo hit a buzzer beater. Rondo plays very well certain games. But defensively, he is atrocious. Defensively, um, KCP has been getting lost. Defensively, JaVale is awful. Defensively, Tyson's been below average after the first 10 or 15 so games that we had him. Um, Kuzma and LeBron don't play the greatest of defense, but they play enough defense. Ingram plays good on defense, but without Lonzo, we have been awful. And currently, we are 3-6 and six without Lonzo. 3-7 and seven if you include Houston. Uh, we will be 4-6 and six or 4-7 and seven after the Atlanta game, and hopefully Lonzo comes back after that, but... Why I bring this record up is you guys use this to show LeBron's importance when he wasn't the only one out. It was Bron was out, Rondo was out, and Kuzma missed a couple games, JaVale missed a couple games in that stretch, I believe. So LeBron wasn't the only one out during that stretch, yet you guys wanted to show his importance by records without that player. Yet when Lonzo gets that same record without him, and yes, Hart has been dealing with knee tendonitis, and I get Hart is a pretty good rotational player for us, and hopefully he finds his shot once he's done dealing with knee tendonitis. It's all of a sudden we can't use that because for whatever reason, you, who cares? It's if stats look good for Lonzo, we turn a blind eye, but when the stats don't look good for Lonzo, we magnify it, and that's national media. It's strange. Like, I just don't get what you want from a second-year player that makes this much of a positive impact on a team without lighting it up from offense. That's really strange. Give him a healthy offseason. Let him develop um, offensively. And, yes, these are small jumps. He went from 36% from the field last year to 40. He went from 30% shooting from the field from three last year to 33. Give that another season another another offseason and this one healthy that improves to if we keep the same um line of improvement it goes from 44 from the field and 35 36 from three which is a lot more respectable all he needs to do is fine-tune whatever the hell hell try and shoot free throws underhanded find something that works for you try to get that we just we don't need you to be a 90 percent free throw shooter just get to 70 at least 60 plus next season then we can work with whatever the hell and then we can show the defensive stats the defensive um, impact you make on a game and here's some stats from unique sports plus also follow them on twitter they 
provide a lot of excellent Lonzo Ball, Lakers, LaMelo, and a lot of other stats that are very unique and also very just useful for the people that actually watch the game to kind of see what their eye test tells them. Because Lonzo Ball is an eye test kind of player. If you watch us with him, we're better. If you watch us without him, we're worse. Funny how that works. Funny how sometimes it is as simple as an eye test. But then you guys, you have morons like HP who called Lonzo Ball a lucky defender who wanted to lessen his impact as a defensive player, yet the wheels have fallen off defensively without number two. But I assume that's just luck for HP. And have we heard anything about Lonzo's defense after the Lakers have given up 120 um, 120 plus per game without Lonzo? Haven't heard a peep. And I find that funny, but it is what it is. Uh, and this is from Unique Sports. With, Lon- with Lonzo, we give up 26.8 points per quarter. That's still like 107, 6 points per game. Uh, without him, we're giving up 31.5 points per quarter, which gets to like 124, or I mean 126. Huge difference. And you can say, well, what about offense? Does the offensive rating and defensive rating make up? Um, outside of LeBron, I think everyone else is worse on the court in terms of on and off. Um, yes, even Kuzma and Ingram are more of a negative on and off the court than Lonzo, but I'm not here to put those players, I'm not that guy. All three of them are really good prospects, but outside of LeBron, I think our only, I think LeBron's our only rotational player that's in the plus. Everyone else is below. Yes, even beloved Rondo from everyone else who everyone wants Rondo to start. Lonzo's net rating plus minus... They're all better than these other guys, yet we just turn a blind eye because we don't want to give Lonzo credit. But it is what it is. Um, defensive rating in their 9-10 games without Lonzo, I've already mentioned, is 119.6, which is terrible, which is good for the third worst in the league. With Lonzo, I believe we were at like 107. Um, we were the third best defense in November, I believe top 8 in December. So like... Say what you want about his offense. Defensively, Lonzo does make a big enough impact where he definitely should start and finish games. Defensively, the facts are there. I can't make you like Lonzo. I can't even make you respect Lonzo, but these are, like, these are it. Uh, And you can look at the same things last year. Defensively, he is what makes this team go. He is a 6'6 point guard with fast hands. Um... Acting like he doesn't make us a better team or have or help us win games is idiotic and flat out wrong. Um, you can provide examples with video, with stats, with games, but when he's on, we're gonna win that game. So, for you guys to act like he doesn't make us a better team is just idiotic. And that, like that Stephen A. clip, is ooh. You don't know basketball. You don't know basketball. That's how I feel when people judge Lonzo. If you don't see what he provides to the team, stop watching. Go watch football. Go watch baseball. I don't care to speak to you if you don't understand Lonzo's impact. Again, you can provide those offensive stats where he struggles. I get it. But he's still a positive in those games. Defensively, he can switch. 
deflect a lot of passes. Um, he covers up for a lot of other people's miscues. Because he is 6'6", he can contest with anything almost at the rim. He can make it difficult. He picks up 94 feet. He plays the passing lane very well. His hands are always active. Um, he gets a lot of steals that way. Um, and it's just it's nice to see when he's on how much impact he can have defensively. And then you saw in a couple of games LeBron was out with Lonzo, he started to turn it around offensively. Although like they weren't the greatest of numbers and his free throw percentage was awful during that stretch. The field goal, the three-point percentage, the assists, the points, the rebounds were all there. Everything you would like to see from a year two player was there except the free throws. So it's Lonzo does everything right. Let's focus on the one thing he does he does wrong. Or it's Lonzo's making such an impact this way. Let's look at the one thing and magnify it by a thousand that he's not doing well. And that happens with every Laker player. Uh, with Ingram, who plays very good defense, and I'll talk about this in the next segment, against the Celtics, yes, he was 4-14, but he was locking Kyrie up. But again, we're only going to focus on him being 4-14 and not scoring enough. I can't... I Sometimes I just feel exhausted trying to talk basketball with some of you guys. Um... And this isn't meant at Laker fans because we're on game 56 this year. We saw Ingram his first and second year. We see the leaps he's taking. And we understand what we have. And hopefully here for a while. I want him and Lonzo always paired up for the rest of their NBA careers, but you can't always get what you want. And Lonzo is running underwater and will be reevaluated soon for his ankle injury. I'm hoping he's back after All-Star break. We're going to need all of our hands on deck to make this playoff push and we'll see next I want to talk about Ingram and Kuzma just versus Boston and Philly and again this happened after the trade deadline so this is after they saw their names get dragged through everything um, and those two young valuable assets balled out like they were both tremendous um, Kuzma, man, like, he always seems to play very well against the Boston Celtics. And as a Laker fan, that is just tremendous because every single season, I always want to win, like, two games. And I always look at the Boston Celtic games. Like, those are the ones I need to happen. Everything else I want to happen. I want the Lakers to get 50-plus wins every season. But the two games I need every season are the ones against Boston. And Laker fans know why. Celtic fans know why. The rivalry's there. But... Kuzma always seems to get up for playing Boston. Last year, he's the reason why we won the game. This year, he hit some very timely threes. He played very well. He scored 25 points and hit 5 of 8 from 3 and outplayed Jason Tatum again. So it's cool to see Kuzma outplay the guy that everyone calls Jesus Christ in basketball and the only thing worth trading AD for. And... Then you look at Brandon Ingram, who, against Boston, made life hell for Kyrie Irving. And yes, shot terribly. Like, Ingram was, what, 4-14? But you look at his overall um, impact on the game. Seven assists, two rebounds, held Kyrie to, I think, three of 13 from the field in, like, possessions they were matched up for. Um, also had two steals, one block. Had that assist to Kuzma for three uh, to put us either up one or tied I do not remember I believe it was up one but like it is there for Ingram he knows how to make impact 
impactful plays to win a NBA game. He is a 6'9 guy with like a almost 8-foot wingspan, so he just terrorizes opposing guards when matched up upon him. And he was a plus 18 in the win. He is one of the one of the key reasons why we won that game. It probably goes um, LeBron, Kuzma, Ingram, in whatever order. And then Rondo hit the shot. So, like, Ingram and Kuzma always seem to get up for the big games. And hopefully this is a trend that continues to happen because Ingram has been playing very well since returning from injury in December. This has been one of his greatest streaks of his NBA career. Hopefully he continues that. Uh, Ingram also went 19-4-4 versus Philly. Um, shot over 50% in that game, so all you stat nerds that care about percentages, there it is. Um, and also, both Kuzma and Ingram are hitting their free throws at a much better rate lately. That's all we need to see. Improvement, and that's it. Um, Ingram was tasked to guard Jimmy Butler and... Although Jimmy Butler did hit some shots over there, they were both nice contests. Um, and then he also made a miss shots as well as not take those shots. It's just we were missing our best defender against Philly. That's why we gave up 143. Ingram and Lonzo together are a very good defensive couple, and that's why I said I want them to be together for the rest of their careers. So you pair Lonzo and Ingram, two players that can impact the game in a lot of ways, right? Then you pair him with Kuzma, who, hey man, just, you have the green light whenever you touch the ball in offense. Shoot it. You get results like this. He had 25-5-2 versus Boston. 5-8 of eight from 3. Outplayed Tatum again. Then you have his scoring burst of him versus the 76ers. He had 39-3-1. was like 60-something percent from the field, maybe even 70. He was 5-8 of eight from 3 again. So in his last two games, he's 10-16 of 16 from 3. And... You just pair all three of them together, and they cover up each other's weaknesses. They play very well together, and they all seem to like playing well with each other. So, I don't know. It's just Ingram and Kuzma have stepped up after the trade deadline. Kuzma finally seems to be healthy, and, like, again, I hope this continues. This will be very, very, very good to see um, from now until April and even April, May. Um they did their fair share in both games to win, and we were happily, thankfully, we came back against the Celtics and won that game because if we didn't, this is what our week would have been like. Blown out by the Pacers. Tread deadline, rumors go terrible. Then we would have got blown out by the Celtics if we did not make that comeback. So right away, you have blowout losses to the Pacers and the Celtics. Then you have Magic doing whatever the hell he's doing. Um... I'm going to give Magic another summer before I critique and criticize him because I believe he's earned that, and maybe he even earns another summer as well. Because, But he said he is going to step down, which I don't know how truthful this is, if he doesn't get two star players or two max players. Um, this is somewhat of the Jim Buss um, step downish type uh, thing that he said, that mm-hmm. if we're not in contention by year whatever, he'd step down. So we'll see. Um, but... Like, Magic said not to baby the young people, not to, like, they're professionals, they'll get with it. He's just going to hug it out, but then he also said he's not going to hug them. So, like, I don't know what's going on. Um, I don't think anyone does, but 
Ingram and Kuzma responded very well to the circus. And I believe Lonzo would have as well because they're lo- everyone's always talking around Lonzo. And he always seems to just play through it. And that's one of his best qualities. And it's nice to see that come through with Ingram and Kuzma. They did both of their share to win games. Um, and like I said, I don't understand how people devalue Kuzma and Ingram. Kuzma, to me, is either the sixth man of the year on a contending team, like next year if we do get a free agent, or he's the number two option on a contending team in the future as well. Mm-hmm. Next year, he could be the sixth man if we do get who we want to get. Or in the future, he could be our number one scoring option with Ingram, Lonzo, setting him up for many, many years to come. Ingram has a chance to be a really good, maybe all-NBA player one, or maybe all-NBA player when it's all said and done, with just how he can play defense, if he fine-tunes his three-point shot in the summer, if he gets rid of taking those awful mid-range shots and just focusing on attacking the rim, finishing around the rim, hitting the three, setting up for others, and playing really good defense. Like, there is there is a way for Kuzma to get to where he's going to be, Ingram to get to where he's going to be, and Lonzo to get to where he's going to be, and Hart to get to where he's going to be. Like, there is all a system. It's just we need better coaching, better rotations, a better offense schematically. Because defense, Lonzo and Ingram do very well. And then Lonzo and Ingram are also playing very well on defense. That gives Kuzma the opportunity to kind of, like, take it easy on the defensive side to guard the other teams like least likely to score player and that gives them the energy to run the court after a miss finishing transition there's just so many ways which these three players and then if Hart gets back to what Josh Hart was at the beginning of this season and the end of last season then there is a young core four there that will be ready to compete with anybody given health given a healthy LeBron as well, and if you add another piece to the puzzle next summer without taking them all away. Um, I see so much potential in this in these four players sticking together if they're given healthy off-seasons as well. Um, so I'm glad that we didn't... I'm glad the Pelicans kind of saved us from ourselves, I believe. Um, and very well it could happen. AD comes and he makes us totally forget about the young core four next summer but again i see the value in these four players i see what they can do and i don't judge them for what they are right now because i see what they can become i don't judge them for well kuzma and ingram both have better shooting splits than those two in boston but a lot of people look at lonzo's shooting splits and like hammer at him but other point guards have shot terribly and turned it around and it's one of those players that is rumored to be the next head coach, which I do not want Jason Kidd to be our next head coach, but there are plenty of examples that a player increased his percentages year by year by year to kind of mask his um, weaknesses. And that's what I believe Lonzo will do as well. So then in return, it could highlight his um, strengths, but it is what it is. Um, That'll be it. Until the next time we speak, go Lakers. I just put you down, put you down, put you down.